everyone. Welcome into the Fantasy Bros Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester, and today I'm joined by another great guest. It's Al Melchior, host of Fantasy Baseball in 15 at The Athletic. Al, thanks for coming to the show. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Yeah, thanks, Bobby, and thank you so much for having me back on. Absolutely. Always fun to have you on, Al. Looking forward to getting your insight as well. And you know what, guys? Baseball is back. Now, it's not exactly what we expected, and maybe they won't end up playing. Al and I were actually talking about that before the show. We'll see what what does end up happening. But right now, they're saying 60 games, um, and there is a contract with this as well. So 60 games, they're only going to be playing against their division rivals. And, you know, the AL East is going to play against the NL East. So we won't see any NL East against NL Central or NL West. It's going to be a very strange season. We've got the DH in both leagues. We're going to be talking about the impacts of all of this, the shortened season, the DH, players returning from injury, and we're going to each share five risers based on all of this information and five fallers. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you that we've got two giveaways. We're giving away a Fielder's Choice wallet, which is made from vintage baseball glove leather. We're also giving away a Trevor Story signed Rockies jersey. And if you want to enter in to win this, all you need to do is head on over to Apple Podcast or Stitcher, leave us an honest review, let us know what you think about the podcast, then take a screenshot of that review and send it to us at contest at fantasypros.com. If you want to check out the details, you can head on over to fantasypros.com slash MLB contest. By the way, both giveaways end on Tuesday, June 30th, so please enter now if you haven't already. All right, Al, uh, let's get into this. We're going to start with the guys who are rising up our board. Um, with baseball being back, 60 games, we've got the DH, we've got players returning from injury, maybe no innings limits. Who is uh, the first player on your list? First player on my list, yeah, fits one of those categories, uh, Byron Buxton, who actually, I think he might have had a... Sh- yeah, yeah, well... Uh, uh, I you know I, I put him at the top because I I feel really uh, pretty good about his value this year and I uh, in any drafts that I have coming up and that of course is still getting you know resolved uh, as of this time I, I would uh, take the opportunity to try to try to draft Buxton uh, and there was some chance that maybe he would have been ready for a traditional opening day but you know of course now we're we're well well past that and uh, he's had time to uh, heal his shoulder and there's you know still very much the perennial injury risks uh, associated with with Buxton but in a 60 game season I'm I'm willing to go for that upside play and at least I don't have to worry you know about him going into the season uh with with an injury that that extra time buys him a lot of value this is why I love to have these conversations because Buxton wasn't even on my radar as somebody who's impacted by this. And you're absolutely right in several from several angles. I mean, he's recovering from the injury. Um, he's less likely to get hurt in a shortened season. And this is somebody who, I mean, you can look at his per 162 game average over the last four years, 22 years old to 25. And he's still young enough that we likely haven't seen his ceiling. And this is somebody who's a 17-28 home runs to stolen bases not a, not a great batting average, but that's somebody who's going to help you in the later rounds, and he's got room for more as well. Um, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if he puts up a per 162 game pace, and I'm going to keep using that language, per 162 game pace, because if I say, you know, this is what I think he'll do in 60 games, that doesn't mean anything to you. Nobody can, you know, do that translation in your mind. So per 162 games, I think Byron Buxton could be a, you know, a 25-25 type of guy with a 270 batting average. And if he does that for 60 games and stays healthy, I mean, that's a top 50 fantasy player. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I've heard a lot of analysts talk about variance plays, and I'm not sure how I feel about that just as a general rule, but I, I just like the the value that I'm uh, probably going to get with Buxton and 
you know, I don't know how much of an adjustment uh, other, you know, other owners are going to make uh, in terms of him uh, being healthier now than he, he would have been in, in March or April. So right now his ADP is 175. Some other guys going in that range. We've got Tommy Edmond going 40 picks higher. I'd, I'd rather have Buxton, no doubt about it. Closers like Sean Doolittle, other outfielders like Justin Upton, Luke Weaver's going in this range, Masahiro Tanaka. I'd rather have Buxton than all those guys. It may be Luke Weaver, but you know that upside with with Buxton. And you know what? If he gets hurt, you cut him then. He's going to be useful until he gets hurt, but it's going to be a quick moving season. I'm trying to catch lightning in a bottle. And maybe he doesn't, you know, maybe in, in two months, you know, he, he stays healthy. That's the other thing too, with the, you know, some injury prone players. We've seen him stay healthy for two months stretches, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start off with a guy who, you know, really qualifies in two of these categories, formerly injured player who benefits from a delayed start and pitchers who were on innings limits, who will no longer be on innings limits because nobody's going to pitch 150 innings. It's Shoei Otani. And uh, this guy is just extremely good inning for inning. Now, if you're in one of these leagues where you can use him in, in both the DH and the starting pitcher, he's so much more valuable. But in those other leagues, I mean, he's going well outside the top 10 rounds. And this is somebody inning for inning, I think is a top 10 starting pitcher in baseball. I'm not saying he's going to get, you know, be pitching deep into games and finish as a top 10 fantasy starting pitcher. He's got the upside, though, to be a starting pitcher, too, and you're getting him at a starting pitcher three or starting pitcher four price. Yeah. And, you know, I think if not for the fact that the Angels have been talking about uh, using a six man rotation and, and there's no reason to doubt that they'll use that and stick with it. I mean, I think he's got ace potential, but certainly uh, the the lack of really an opportunity for him to have two start weeks that I, I still think even with that, you could uh, probably get SP2 value from Otani. Sure. So if you extrapolate his 2018 season out to a full year, and I get it, there are, you know, smaller sample sizes don't always translate. Now, when you have somebody who is better than you, Darvish, and every every single Japanese pitcher before him at a similar age, and he comes over and he's this incredible phenom prospect, you do think that the sample size might be able to translate to a full season. And what he was looking at, 3.31 ERA, 1.16 whip, 214 strikeouts in 176 innings. Uh, he's probably going to pick up, you know, 15 wins at a per 162 game pace as well. This is a very quality pitcher. And mind, uh, mind you, he did that as a 23-year-old. Now he's uh, 25 years old, t- turning 26 in a couple of days. So this is a value that I'm wanting to get a lot. And this is one of the reasons that I'm waiting on starting pitcher if I'm doing a draft uh, in, in the coming month. Is because there's so many values like that, and I'm going to share a couple more names in a few minutes. Who do you have as your number two, though, Al? All right. Well, I'll just add, pretty good hitter, too. Um, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is. Don't forget that. So the, the next guy on my list is actually somebody uh, that Derek Van Riper and I just discussed on Fantasy Baseball in 15, and that's Avisael Garcia. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, like, like uh, you know, I think probably just about everybody in our community, uh, you know, we've been periodically doing uh, DH analysis for for NL teams. And I just think that the, the Brewers, uh, and there's actually, there, there are two teams where I think there's a clear winner, uh, at least two teams, but two in particular. One is the Brewers, uh, the other is is a team I'll talk about shortly. But the, the Brewers are, have a situation where, it, like, there is a clear winner here um, in, in Garcia because, uh, and in fact, Craig Council's even talked about the fact that, you know, with the DH slot, he can play Justin Smoke pretty regularly at first base. Ryan Braun can just slot in DH. And, you know, so that log jam that you have with Smoke and Braun, that's, you know, kind of magically 
evaporated now. Those two and, and Garcia are three of my favorites, by the way. So this is like magical for me, especially in the late already drafted him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good. I, I not to slight the uh, the other two, Braun and, and Smoke. I think they've got some appeal too. But you know, we I think you know by all accounts we were looking at an outfield rotation, and clearly Garcia was uh, going to be the one probably sitting the most uh, among Yelich and Kanan himself. Well, now he's got you know, uh, an outfield slot, an everyday job, I think pretty much to himself. Uh, and, you know, like the fact, and, and actually uh, DVR uh, mentioned this uh, and highlighted it on our podcast, that this is probably uh, Miller Park, probably the best home park that Garcia's ever had in his career. Although he did you know, play several years uh, uh, in the White Sox park, but, you know, it's a nice park upgrade, certainly from the TROP, uh, a, a good lineup to be hitting in, uh, potential for uh, speed and power. And we don't, Typically think that, at least I haven't typically thought that much about the stolen base uh, potential, but Garcia is, you know, a top 10 percentile guy in terms of sprint speed, which helps his batting average. That 330 average that he had in 2017 isn't, wasn't nearly as fluky as I think a lot of us thought it was at the time because of the the sprint speed and the hard contact. Yeah, yeah. You look at his his hard contact skills on Baseball Savant, and there's, you know, a bunch of guys who have done... Uh, um, what is it? 115 miles per hour, multiple times. Not a bunch of guys. There's like 15 of them. Abisal Garcia is one of them. He hits the ball extremely hard. His average exit velocity is huge. His barrel rate is huge. And it's demonstrated in his stats. You look at what he did last year. He missed 36 games and still went 20 and 10 with a 282 batting average in a terrible hitters park. Now he moves to a good hitters park, a better lineup. He's going to play every day. I'm so pumped about Garcia, and everyone who listens to the podcast knows this is somebody I was drafting in every single league, even more so now. You're absolutely right. Yep. So, uh, you know, for all the reasons that you just enumerated, I really like his value much better now. Ah, man, this is an awesome one. Uh, There's a lot of outfield value as well, and um, I I don't mind waiting on these guys. ADP 217 for Avisail Garcia. About what range? That's 18th round. Would you be able to? Would you be willing to reach for him around two rounds, three rounds, just to make sure you grab him? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, no question. Yep. Yeah. Same with me. I'm not taking any chances. In fact, I I would draft him over Buxton. I like the Buxton call a lot, but I'm not taking any chances that somebody in my league is listening to my podcast and grabbing Avisel Garcia before me. He's mine, everyone. <laughs> um, all right. Let me go with uh, with my number two. I'm going to wait on the DH until I hear who your guy is just because there's, you know, a, a handful that I have highlighted. I'm going to go with somebody who benefits um, from a shortened season because of the innings limit that he was going to be on. Um, and for me, it's it's Julio Urias, starting pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers. All we've ever seen from him is just absolutely filthy stuff. He was a top 10 prospect for a number of years. He came up as a teenager with the Dodgers and was great right away. He's been in the bullpen for the last couple years, and he's dealt with some injuries. But every time he comes back, he comes back, and he's still dominant. Now he's definitely in the Dodgers rotation. We were drafting him in the 160s, 180s, because we thought that he was going to be on an innings limit. Not anymore. Now, again, we're looking at somebody who has a chance to be a top 20 inning for inning starting pitcher and maybe even break out into one of these perennial Cy Young candidates. Yeah, my, well, and I would just add to to the uh, the, the good things uh, to expect from Rios that, um, you know, in addition to being somebody who's got, you know, swing and miss stuff, that he's also been one of the best pitchers in terms of limiting hard contact. The only concern I, I really have in, in terms of him providing value is that the Dodgers are one of these teams. And there was a, a piece in the athletic uh, within the last couple of days from, Eno you know, Sarah's talking about teams that are better positioned than others to do 
experimental things with their pitcher usage. And the Dodgers are, you know, definitely way up there in terms of, you know, having so many good pitchers um, that can be versatile in their roles that, you know, I know we've been saying for quite a you know few years, you know, the Dodgers are going to Dodger, uh, you know, when it comes right. to, you know, making you maybe have some some buyer's remorse with uh, drafting some of their pitchers and and not providing as many innings as maybe you hoped. So I, I think Arias does have that sort of risk in terms of innings and, and his usage and, and maybe his role isn't steady. Uh, even in a season as short as sixty games, but that's fair. The skills are the skills are awesome, and you know you could certainly do do much much worse. Will you have many shares of Urias, or, or is there somebody else in this range that uh, you would much rather be drafting? Uh, I had not drafted him at all up to this point. In terms of that, the ADP range for him. Mike Miner, Kenta Maeda. Yeah, I, I like Miner a lot, and I do already have him on several okay. teams. So, uh, and actually, um, well, I'm, I'm going to, I guess, give this away a little bit, but another guy on my list is James Paxton. and he's. Oh, yeah, that me. was my next name. Nice. Let's get into him. <laughs> Maybe we should just go right into Paxton then. Oh, uh, man, he's so awesome. I, I, would, I, I strongly would prefer Paxton. I mean, there's no question about his role. There's no question uh, at this point about his health. Any Me too. More than I would going yeah. into any other season. So I, I'd draft Paxton in the top 100 if I had to. Yeah, and I, and I imagine that ADP will be going up, maybe going you know closer to 100. But I, I'd definitely be willing to if it's if it's a reach, I'll I'll reach in the top 100. I'm just by the way going to go back and add one more name. Looking at ADPs here, uh, I would even prefer Matt Boyd to Arias. I certainly would hope that he gets traded um, so that you know he spends you know, about half of this short season, someplace where he'll be better poised for wins and probably better poised for a lower ERA. But so there are quite a few pitchers. I actually do like better than Arias in that range. Okay. So Paxton, let's get into him. And uh, before, before you start on, on the reasons why, would you rather have him than guys like Sonny Gray, Brandon Woodruff, Zach Wheeler, Carlos Carrasco? Carrasco. Yes, for sure. Um, the other names either maybe not, or definitely not. So yeah, Gray definitely. I would definitely rather have Gray. Wheeler's a tough one. Gray's right now ADP ninety four. Wheeler one hundred four. Woodruff eighty six. Um, I'd rather have Paxton than all those guys. Now Gray's close, um, but everybody else, I I want Paxton. Right after Corey Kluber as my number one or number two starting pitcher, and I'm not joking. He's going to be my number one or number two because there's so much starting pitcher value. Then I want Paxton. Then I want Urias. Now, I definitely prefer Sonny Gray because, uh, to contrast with with Woodruff, um, I mean, that to me is uh, maybe an upside versus relative safety play, which is weird to put Paxton on the safety side of a comparison. I don't know that I've ever done that before, but compared (laughs) to Woodruff, I'm just not clear, you know, what we'll get from him. But yeah, I just think that, you know, the strikeout upside for him is is maybe even greater than than Paxton's. Uh, In fact, as, as we're Thinking out loud here, I think I'm kind of talking myself into Paxton over Woodruff. Yeah. Well, Woodruff's also losing Grandal, which is one of, probably the best pitch framer in all of baseball. That's a that's a big drop. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, James Paxton has never pitched over 160 innings. It's not going to matter this season. Uh, if you look at what he's done over his last three seasons combined, 2017 to 2019, we're talking about a 3.54 ERA, 1.16 whip over 11 strikeouts per nine inning. This is one of the better pitchers in baseball, and I get it, he's in Yankee Stadium, but you know the, the trade-off is the ratios for the wins, and uh, we saw that a little bit last year when he won 15 games in just 150 innings. Yeah. By, by the way, um, yeah, I know you wanted to cover 10 players here, and we've got one duplicate. I, I had a pitcher that I had a really hard time 
cutting off my list. Well, we'll do extra then. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, I've got like 20 <laughs> names, so it's really hard for me to cut them down. But yeah, uh, why don't you give me your, your extra name here? Because I've already talked about all oh my guys so many times, you know? Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, the guy I wasn't going to talk about but wanted to talk about uh, is Michael Kopech. Just because it, it's, you know, a situation now where it looked like he was going to be the odd starter out. And granted, you know, when you're talking about a 162 game season, there probably would have not been an opportunity for him somewhere along the line to get into the rotation. But why not start him in the minor leagues? And now there's no minor leagues. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I was just recently reading a piece, I think it was on MLB.com and, and uh, you know, talking about the White Sox plan for a Kopech. And, you know, it sounds like they are one of these teams that may be a little experimental with roles. And, you know, so while that's maybe not as good for Kopech as having a longer season where maybe he would have had an opportunity to win a spot outright, it's it's better than him being completely shut out of a role at all. And, uh, you know, again, in case of in certain weeks or in a daily league, you know, even better when you can, uh, you know, make you know, decisions to, you know, put them in or out of your rotation that, you know, more in time with, with news that maybe comes out about him making a start. Uh, I think he's going to be, you know, really valuable for those games when he, when he is starting. He is dynamic. He is so special to watch pitch. And uh, I was going to name two other rookies like this, Brandon McKay, who was probably going to start in the minor leagues, AJ Puck, who was probably going to start in the minor leagues. I think both these guys are going to be in the rotation from the get-go now in all three of these rookie starting pitchers were just dominant and filthy in the minor leagues. And there's a lot of people out there who say, well, I'm not going to draft a guy that I don't know anything about. Uh, we've never actually seen him do it against major league pitchers. Yeah, there's a few examples. Uh, Tyler Glass now, a top 10 prospect who came up and uh, just really struggled with his command. Um, Brandon McKay does not struggle with his command. Michael Kopech has really good stuff. He's got command of his pitches. AJ Puck, okay, that one's a little bit risky, but we're also talking about somebody who could strike out you know, if he pit, if he were to pitch 200 innings, could strike out 280 guys. His stuff is that nasty. So I'm willing to take a chance on guys like this uh, because how many times have we seen these rookie starting pitchers come up and they're nasty from day one? Walker Buehler, right? Chris Paddock. You guys remember these names and you're scratching your head wondering, well, how did this guy get Walker Buehler in the 20th round? Well, it's because you were sleeping. There's a good chance that Brandon McKay, Michael Kopech, AJ Puck, two of these three guys are going to do that kind of thing. And Jesus Luzardo as well, but now he's going in the top 120 picks and I'm still drafting him. Yeah. And I, well, I've got one more, so might as well, Nate Pearson, who I Good think one, has yeah. a much better chance of uh, pitching a significant portion of the season. You know, I don't think I'm, I'm certainly not alone in, in seeing it that way, but uh, you know, his ADP currently on Fancy Pros 293 and uh, I imagine that will shoot up. But, you know, if it stays anywhere close to that, uh, you know, then he's going to be somebody that you can take a late round flyer on. And man, what a what an opportunity to get somebody who could be pitching maybe the whole season such as it is with with the upside that he has uh, as a late round pick uh, in, a, in a 12 team or that would that'd be hard to pass up. What do you think about Mackenzie Gore, Casey Mize? Mize is with the Tigers and so there's no sense in calling him up. And then Mackenzie Gore, it's just such a log jam there in the Padres rotation. Like I can't see them getting him in, but these, these are two other nasty pitchers. I don't have either yet. Yeah. I don't think I will. Mice is, he's, I go back and forth on him because the reports I see go back and forth that um, I've seen reports, uh, you know, during these, uh, you know, last uh, two or three months where, you know, there, there's been 
maybe speculation or, or, you know, more than speculation that, you know, well, the Tigers, you know, they want to, they want to get him innings and, you know, they, you expect to see him a lot this year. And then I've seen other things that, that say just the opposite. So I don't know what to make of it. Maybe the Tigers just, you know, aren't clear themselves on the plan or maybe, uh, you know, they're not eager to divulge it, but I mean, I can certainly see a scenario where, Mize is an impact player this year. I think it's maybe less likely with Gore because, as you said, it's it's much more of a logjam there. It's a little bit harder. Someone would have to get hurt, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is going to happen eventually, but does it happen 10 games in or 40 games in? Yeah, I think all the, all things being equal, I'd actually probably rather have Gore. But not, not that, you know, not that I would uh, have a problem with having either one on a roster, but I may not wind up with either of them just because of the uncertainty around them instead i'm just going to draft somebody who's twice their age rich hill because he's coming back he's back from his injuries healthy now and you want to talk about someone who inning for inning is amazing over the last five years he's one of the top five pitchers in baseball inning for inning when you take ops against strikeouts per nine whip era no matter what you want to look at he has been amazing now he needs to stay on the field he's he's had some blister problems is that right and i believe they're changing the balls back to the, the seams being raised. And if that is the case, maybe Rich Hill will deal with some blister stuff. But regardless, until he gets hurt, if he gets hurt, he's going to be awesome again. And you can get him for super cheap, almost free. And he's another guy, just like Avisel Garcia. I'm reaching for him five rounds to make sure that nobody else gets the same idea. Because he's worth it. He's worth more than that. I'm with you 100% on that. And whatever it is, you, as far as you have to reach, you're not going to be having to give up much to uh, really call it even a risk uh, and, and the payoff could be immense. So that's, that's a fantastic call. All right. Who's your next guy? Uh, this is my last riser. That okay. I got. Okay. So the DH DH situation, Marlins, uh, <laughs> John birdie. Yeah. I, I was certainly rooting for him to get a, a regular role going into this year. Uh, the Marlins getting Jonathan VR, you know, made that, you know, much, much less likely. And, you know, then even, you know, even uh, after the Marlins uh, acquired uh, VR, you know, there were still, you know, I saw reports that, you know, well, Birdie's versatile and, you know, he'll get his playing time. But with DH, I, I just feel like it's it's pretty much guaranteed. It's a good name. Again, wasn't even on my radar. So thank you, Al. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm in uh, two out of the park 2020 Sim Leagues. And in one, uh, the one for the Athletic, I've managed the Astros, which was definitely interesting. And the other one, I'm managing the Marlins. So I've you know been uh, really acquainted with that roster. And, you know, with full-time play, I mean, Birdie is somebody who, you know, maybe has a shot at, uh, even in, in a shortened season, you know, 15, 15 steals, maybe 20, uh, with a, you know, decent average and, and even a little bit of pop. So, you know, that's... Uh, just the steals alone, though, uh, make him somebody that uh, I'm definitely going to be, be targeting now that I'm much more confident in his playing time. His per 162 game pace so far through his career, 13 homers, not bad. For a 38 stolen base guy, 273 batting average, that'll do. 114 runs. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I don't know you know, where the Marlins would necessarily hit him in the batting order. That could be a, a crucial thing for his value, but... Uh, you know, getting somebody who may be underrated, who's got stolen base potential, um, you know, that's somebody I'll be looking at uh, in every draft. ADP 260, by the way, so you can get him 22nd, 23rd round. I'm going to go with another designated hitter, and this is somebody that I brought up a few times, but I'm bringing him up so often because I don't want you guys to forget about him on draft day. How many times have we seen these rookie hitters just dominate from the get-go? 
right? Last year it was Pete Alonso. Before then, Carlos Correa, Aaron Judge, over and over and over again, Cody Bellinger, right? Trevor Story. This year it's Dylan Carlson. Dylan Carlson is going to play now for the St. Louis Cardinals with the DH. Now he's going to be in the outfield. I think Dexter Fowler is going to be the designated hitter. Or Matt Carpenter is going to be the designated hitter and Tommy Edmond moves to third and Harrison Bader's out. Dylan Carlson will not be held back in the minor leagues. And when he plays, he's a true five category MLB ready, polished hitter who was leading spring training in hitting. He's ready to roll. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic call too. I'm also, you know, interested in, you know, somebody like Lane Thomas maybe getting a Interesting, little, yeah. little piece of uh the playing time action uh there uh with the DH, but yeah, no, that's it's a, a great call. I the one thing I worry about just a little bit with Carlson and actually this is a great example of the the pull that I feel between looking at minor league stats and looking at scouting reports. And the scouting reports, you know, <laughs> tend to be pretty, you know, pretty good uh, at predicting uh future uh, in, in cases with a, you know, a, a really top prospect like Carlson. But um, you know, the, the power really blossomed when he got to double uh, a Springfield and that's just such a good power park. And, you know, and it did continue at Memphis, but it was, you know, very limited playing time. And, uh, you know, so I just worry about like players that come from, you know, Reading uh, for the Phillies in the Eastern league or Springfield, you know, these kind of ridiculous uh, home run parks but, you know, in the case of like Scott Kingery, I was really skeptical of him. I felt like I was probably more pessimistic about him than, you know, the vast majority of people in our, our community. And, I'm always you know, pessimistic about Phillies hitters because once they get to that, uh, that what is that double A park? Yeah, Redding. Redding. All of their stats are just bonkers. So I was nervous about Reese Hoskins too, but he's a different brand. Yeah. So, you know, the point being that, you know, whether it's Hoskins or, uh, or Kingery, uh, you know, they, they're just fine. Plus, they also have a pretty good park to call home now, too, right, which doesn't right. hurt. But less so for, for the Cardinals that are you know coming up from Springfield. But, you know, I, I just I, I'd like to see how that translates to not only major league pitching and not only a, uh, a pitcher friendly park, but just, you know, making that transition. That's fair. But, you know, like I said, if, if you trust the scouting reports on Carlson, he'll, he'll be just fine. I'm going to throw out just a few more names, and uh, you're more than welcome to do the same before we move on to guys who have dropped on our list. Um, just a reminder, some formerly injured players who do benefit from a delayed start. Jordan Alvarez, Mike Clevenger, Justin Verlander, Giancarlo Stanton, uh, Willie Calhoun. There's another one that I'm going to get to in a little bit because it's it's going to ruin somebody else's draft stock. Uh, pitchers who benefit from no innings limit on a shortened season. Uh, we already mentioned everybody except for Lance McCullers on this list. Uh, and then other hitters who might benefit from a DH, Sam Hilliard for the Colorado Rockies, J.D. Davis for the Mets, Austin Riley for the Braves, Nick Senzel for the uh, Cincinnati Reds, Will Myers for the Padres, and Jay Bruce for the Phillies is somebody who recent, recently came on my radar uh, who's probably going to play every day now. And he's, he's a masher. Now, the batting average isn't going to be there, but uh, per 162, he'd probably hit 30, 35 home runs with a lot of RBIs in that lineup and ballpark. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, no, I mean, I think every yeah, every one of those players definitely gets a, a boost in value. All right, let's move on over to guys who are falling down our list. And Al, I'll let you go first. Who do you have for us? Okay, well, actually, I'll, I'll start with Nick Solak um, because it, it segues from your um, mentioning of Bully Calhoun, who... Uh, exactly, yes. ...should play a full season, you know, fully back from the, the broken jaw. And uh, when he sustained that injury... 
that cleared up some confusion I had over Solak's uh, path to playing time. And, you know, it would certainly mean, uh, you know, some moving parts in terms of, uh, you know, opening up a, a spot in the outfield. Uh, and, and uh, you know, maybe that that tr- would translate into Solak getting a little bit more time, maybe at DH. So I'm not so, not so sure now where Solak gets his uh, his playing time. And uh, he was somebody who, uh, you know, if we were playing the full 162, uh, I would have been pretty eager to take a flyer on and figuring, well, okay, early on, he gets his playing time. Maybe he makes it hard. You know, sort of like Danny Santana last year, he makes it hard to get him out of the lineup once Calhoun comes back and they figure things out. But uh, yeah, now that that looks like less of a possibility. Right. I'm going to go with, um, I don't know how to say this. Every single catcher besides JT Real Muto, because Real Muto is another guy that just moved so far up my list because he benefits from the DH as well. He can play now. He can start at catcher four days a week and then DH three days a week because as bad as that good hit him and maybe Wilson Contreras will benefit from the DH. And so Gary Sanchez and Real Muda were neck and neck. People, I think people maybe preferred Real Muda, but at this point, it's not even close. Um, and so all the catchers fall down my list except for Real Muda, maybe Contreras, maybe Wilson Ramos. Uh, that's a really interesting angle that I hadn't really thought about. It makes a ton of sense. Uh, by the my way, my dad it, brought I mean, this up, by the way. So thanks to my dad for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Give, give, give him credit. Yeah. The name of Victor Caratini, though, popped into my head when you were, you know, uh, talking about other yeah. catchers and, you know, specifically Contreras, because, uh, you know, he could play, you know, maybe give, give Rizzo a breather every now and then, play a little first, uh, you know, back up a catcher and, you know, maybe he becomes you know, at least a part of the DH solution for the Cubs. Cubs have a ton of players that could fill in there. So maybe not, not any one player really benefits that much, but if anybody does probably Caratini, just because a small bump at the catcher position goes, I think a f- goes a longer way than at, at other positions. And while you're giving your dad credit, I will give my uh, athletic colleague, Michael Beller credit for putting Caratini on my, uh, on my radar. Beller's awesome. And Caratini, I mean, he's a he's a top 15 catcher hitter in baseball. He's just behind Contreras. So we don't really see that much. We don't know that right now. His ADP is 33 among catchers uh, with this news. Yeah, I'm, I'm bumping him around 2021. 20, so if you're in a two catcher league, I think that's a really quality guy to target. Who do you have for your, uh, your second faller here? Miguel Andujar. And I feel like that's not a hard one to explain because you've got, you know, not only Stanton back, but you've got Aaron Hicks back and possibly Aaron Judge back as well. So that really squeezes Andujar in terms of um, possibilities for him to get outfield reps and and probably even possibilities for him to get DH reps. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I've been a little low on Andujar all along. What do you think about uh, Urshela? Do you think that there's a chance as well? that he gets fewer at bats? Cause I'm, I'm nervous about drafting both those guys. I honestly can't give you a good reason why I'm not worried about uh, Gio Urshela, but I'm not. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I think in terms of, you know, impact, I, Andujar, uh, I was actually very surprised at where he was being drafted, even with everybody appearing to be out uh, early in the season. I want to say it was like mid one hundreds, maybe like one thirty ish. 211 is what it's at right now. So yeah, it was probably lower 100s. Yeah. Regardless, I'm not drafting him in that range. For somebody who might not even play, and if he does play, it's kind of a question mark because his underlying metrics, his rookie season were so bad compared to his real life performance that it made me kind of nervous about him moving forward. And then he got hurt. He was one of my big fades before he got hurt. Yeah, that's obviously a very different picture right now. But uh, yeah, maybe he does wind up uh, squeezing Urshela for playing time. But I think Urshela really established himself last year and 
you know, took advantage of uh, Andujar vacating that third base uh, spot in the lineup. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's going to have to have to lose playing time rather than have it taken away. So my second guy, this has little to do with the shortened season and everything to do with the rumors that everyone was going to be playing in the same ballpark or everyone was going to be playing in Arizona or Florida. Now that we know that teams are actually in their MLB park, I've moved Brandon Belt way down my list. He was the first baseman I was going to be targeting. But now that he's going to be playing half his games in San Francisco and and frankly against only teams in the West, in the NL West and AL West, I'm not as interested anymore. In fact, I won't have any shares. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, he didn't have much appeal to start off with. And then, like you said, uh, the idea that he gets a a much, much better ballpark, that that, uh, you know, would be something that would would put him on the radar. And now with that taken away, um, he's he's kind of back to being really like an NL only option for me. So I totally, totally get that. All right, let's move on to your number three, Al. Who do you have for us? All right. uh, Yeah, this one is maybe a bit of a reach and it's very kind of particular to like my March, February, March faves, but Willie Adamas, I don't like the schedule setup for him. Uh, he was somebody that I was very much targeting late, uh, late in drafts as a, as a sleeper, somebody who finished strong, uh, somebody who hit for a ton of power in the visiting AL East parks and uh, but, you know, not necessarily a, a lot of raw power, but somebody who could take advantage of that schedule. And now that, uh, you know, I feel like and granted, it's only 20 out of the 60 games uh, that, um, you know, teams are going to be facing um, the opponents in the the other league. But, uh, you know, I still feel like that's enough to kind of water down the appeal of the Dodgers. I mean, that's one one third of their season. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah. And granted, I mean, if, you know, we can break that down further. So, you know, going to the, the NL East, um, you know, Washington has a pretty good hitters park. Uh, clearly, Philadelphia does. But those other three are pretty brutal. And so you, you take the half of the games that he's playing at the Trop, where he hit, I think, only five home runs last year. Uh, and then you add in uh, Marlins Park and City Field and uh, it's not SunTrust anymore, whatever the new name is, uh, which is not not as pitcher friendly as the other two. But it's not really going to help Adamas. It just it, it waters down his appeal some. So he's gone from somebody who was you know late Ryan Flyer target for me, uh, one of my favorite sleepers, to Somehow I'm just kind of met about and kind of coming back to the pack on him. It seems like years ago that you and I were talking about Adamas and I was excited about him. He was so good in the second half. He really needs to work on his uh, approach against left-handed pitchers, but this is a promising young player. I think you're right here, though. I'm not probably going to have many shares of Adamas. And uh, sticking with the the schedule, the new scheduling, that's my next guy. In fact, it's three guys that I'm going to mash all together here. Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer. Steven Strasburg are going to be playing against the AL East. Obviously, you've got the Red Sox, incredible lineup. Yankees, even better lineup. The Blue Jays are really coming up as well. The Rays have a very good lineup. Kevin Cash is an absolute genius. In fact, with a shortened season, I'm I'm putting some money down on the Rays winning the World Series because Kevin Cash is so innovative, and he doesn't care what has been done, what hasn't been done in baseball, what might backfire. He believes in math. And data, and with everything changing so much, he's going to find a way to give his team an edge. I think he's the single most important uh, head coach in any sport, better than Belichick, better than Popovich. I mean, can you imagine Belichick sitting there with the the difference in payroll that Kevin Cash has, and still going out and winning ninety five games in the hardest division in baseball? Kevin Cash is a superhero. Um, but anyway, the point is, I'm not drafting the stud NL East 
uh, starting pitchers because they're going to be having a more difficult schedule. And because, like I said, I want to wait on starting pitchers. So I'll have no Scherzer anymore, no DeGrom, no Steven Strasburg. Or Corbin or Aaron Nola. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I'm a little bit unsure about Nola after last season and him not being quite what he was in 2018. That, that, you know, that's, that's a bit of a tiebreaker. I, I like that call. Uh, I was just going to say, just a minute or two before we started podcasting, I saw a, a tweet from MLB uh, Moving Averages, and the tweet uh, said, DeGrom, number one overall. Different approach there, and I thought that was intriguing. So I, I hope we see more on the reasoning behind that. Uh, my next one, uh, let's uh, stick with the NL East uh, trend here. Uh, I think Mike Soroka is somebody uh, that I will be shying away from. And I, th- I think I've been maybe more of a pessimist than most anyway. Me too. But I went and looked at his home road splits from last year. 414 ERA uh, at what was SunTrust Park. On the road, 155. And so this is kind of the the inverse of the uh, Willie Adamas situation that, um, you know, while Soroka, you know, gets to pitch normally uh, a large share of his road games in those really pitcher-friendly parks – you know, now he's going to have a road series uh, Yankee Stadium, a road series at Camden Yards, a uh, road season, a road series at, at Rogers Center. And, you know, I think it could be ugly. Yeah. He's one of these guys that I just can't put my finger on. Like, okay, he's got good stuff, all the underlying metrics scream regression, but can he be Kyle Hendricks and just say, you know, screw you to these underlying metrics? Jose Quintana. Is he one of those guys? I don't know, and I don't want to take a chance on it when I can get some uh, some guys in that range, a David Price, a James Paxton, as we talked about, a Shoei Otani, you know, Jesus Luzardo. So, yeah, I'm not going to have any shares. Yeah, and, you know, and that's on top of um, facing a whole bunch of DHs. So we've talked about some guys in this segment where, you know, somebody's coming back and it really just screws over somebody. So, you know, you're moving them down your rankings. I have so many shares. Well, not so many, but in the leagues I've drafted – I've drafted Giovanni Gallegos in almost every league because he was my sleeper closer. You know, Jordan Hicks is out. Gallegos is probably going to be the closer. Maybe it's Ryan Helsley. Maybe it's one of these other guys, but it's probably Gallegos, right? And he's going to get a lot of saves because he's pitching for the Cardinals. Uh, Not anymore. Jordan Hicks is coming back. He should be back by opening day. And uh, don't forget to draft Jordan Hicks, guys. You can get him in the last round because everyone has forgot about him. And he's one of the best closers in baseball when he's healthy. Well, guess who's the last guy on my list? Who's that? That'd be Giovanni Gallegos. Oh, really? I'm sorry I stole it from you. <laughs> That's all right. I got to back up there too. But uh, I, I will uh, say a note that I've written to myself here because I'm not so sure. I'm not unsure, but I'm not, you know, sure that Hicks will will get a chance to close this year uh, okay. and, and how much he'll actually pitch. But it's, it's certainly it's part of the equation. But also Andrew Miller, who had uh, an unspecified arm issue during spring training. Couldn't feel his fingers in spring training. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was not able to, you know, track down anything about, you know, why that was the case, but what I was able to track down was a report that, uh, you know, he's over that now. I know that he hasn't been, you know, what he once was, but you know, that's kind of at least, you know, neutralizes the impact maybe, um, for Gallegos of uh, John Brebbia having had Tommy John surgery and, and being out of that equation. So, yeah, so guys, this was the last one on my list. But another thing that um, Derek Van Riper and I recently discussed on uh, Fantasy Baseball in 15 is the Mariners closer situation, which is, uh, you know, pretty much was up in the air during spring training. But in spite of that, Yoshihisa Hirano 
does have a, a 350 ADP. So, you know, he's being viewed as relevant in deeper, deeper mixed leagues. And uh, I won't even go, uh, I think, target him in, in those leagues now with the news that Austin Adams is good to go. Because to me, he is by far the most skilled reliever in that Mariners bullpen. He's such a good sleeper. Love that you brought him up. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so again, it goes two ways. I mean, you can definitely put uh, Adams on your risers list. Probably should have mentioned him maybe. But, you know, I think that this hurts Hirano the most because he seemed to be pegged by uh, us in the, the fancy community as the, you know, the saves guy to target in Seattle. And I think now at best he gets a, a, a split share of saves. And I think, you know, I would not at all be surprised to see Adams just take that job and run with it. Adams, by the way, for those of you who don't know, uh, last year, you look at what he did. He had 53 strikeouts in 32 innings, guys. That's amazing. He has to be the closer in Seattle, right? That's a really good name. Him and Hunter Harvey both uh, have my attention. Absolutely. Um, My last name is another relief pitcher. Now, this isn't someone who loses his closer job. It's someone who loses the the likelihood of ending up picking up saves. So I like to get these very high-end potential closers. If, you know, the closer melts down, loses his job, and Edwin Diaz was awful last year. He's on a short leash, and they've got a guy, Seth Lugo, who has been phenomenal. And if Edwin Diaz was to melt down 20 games, 40 games into the season, yeah, he could lose his job, and Seth Lugo could become a top-five closer. So I was liking drafting him there, getting a guaranteed you know, 90-100 strikeouts with quality ratios. And hey, maybe I get 15 saves down the season, too. That's not going to happen anymore. If Edwin Diaz loses his job, it's going to happen in the final stretch of the season, right? Um, so what is the upside, really, with somebody like a Seth Lugo, a Ryan Presley? Uh, I'm not really seeing it anymore. Yeah, that's that's an interesting angle too. Um, and I'm not I'm not so sure I see it the same way. I think Edwin Diaz is fully capable of losing that job within a couple weeks. Okay. Um, given the presence of of Lugo and and you know if you take it even further and how much of a race it is, right? I mean, if if it's yeah. not going well, you got to change things up quickly. I would think. Yeah, that, that yeah, that's a great point. And I, I, you know, also there's just the upside there. I think Lugo, if he were to become a full-time closer at some point, could be one of the very best ones and most valuable ones from a fancy perspective in the entire major league. So uh, I did take him in at least one league and yeah, I got to go back and like revisit my rosters. I haven't really done that with all of them. I know I have him in at least one league. Maybe, maybe there's a second one where I took a flyer on him. I know I was definitely targeting him pretty much everywhere. Yeah. I, I still hold out hope. That, uh, that he has some value. We see these guys pop up every year, you know, like you're saying Seth Lugo could do. Josh Hader, he's now the number one closer in baseball. He was somebody that you were drafting thinking, okay, maybe he eventually becomes the closer. And if he does, he'd be awesome. Kirby Yates, same thing. Liam Hendricks, he's going fifth for closers. Top 100 overall, same thing. Uh, Brad Hand, Taylor Rogers. Who are some guys like that this season that you could see doing that? I mean, is it just another Padres guy, Emilio Pagan? There's not a lot of guys that really stand out to me this year. Maybe Diego Castillo, if Nick Anderson's not the closer uh, out in Tampa Bay, but Castillo's kind of been an opener for them. Uh, Adam Adovino, closer and waiting types who could morph into a top five closer if they were to get the job. Well, because, I mean, the, the name I was going to toss out there, who, who's already a closer, although he was in and out of the role in, in 2019, is Jose Leclerc. I think he's got top five stuff. And it's just a question of consistency and, and command for him. Uh, and we've seen it from him in, in stretches. So uh, in terms of somebody who's already a closer um, 
you know, who could be a better closer, a more valuable closer. I would say Leclerc. Yeah, in terms of closers and waiting, I will tell you some, this is just very top of mind, probably not the best candidate I could think of of this, but seeing a report yesterday that Michael Fulmer might be used in relief, um, you know, what if he did get a chance Interesting. to Interesting. Yeah. Uh, another name is, is Carlos Martinez. If they decide they don't want him in the rotation, they could put him back at closer. But the the one name that I was searching for that I couldn't find and I couldn't think of him for whatever reason, I was having a brain fart, James Karinchik. Uh, for the uh, Cleveland Indians. Oh my goodness, his minor league stats. If you thought when we were talking about Austin Adams, that was that was outrageous. Here's what he did <laughs> last year in AAA, James Grinchick. 30 innings, 16 hits, 74 strikeouts. He struck out 22 guys per nine innings. That's good, right? That's, oh man, that is so good. <laughs> and I get it, Brad, Brad Hand is there, but injuries do happen. And if James Karinchik was to become the closer for the Cleveland Indians who could win the AL Central, we're talking about someone who could legitimately be the number one closer this time next year. I certainly got that potential, no doubt. Yeah. All right, Al, that's all for today's show. Really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, fun as always, Bobby. So yeah, thanks for having me uh, having me on and uh, hope, to, uh, hope to be chatting with you again. Absolutely. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this talking actual baseball with the perspective that baseball could actually happen, right? Uh, guys, give Al a follow on Twitter at Al Melchior BB. He's the host of the Fantasy Baseball in 15 podcast at The Athletic. By the way, don't forget to sign up for our giveaways that we've got going on right now. We're giving away a Trevor Story signed Rockies jersey, and we're giving away a Fielder's Choice wallet that is made from vintage baseball glove leather. You can check out the details for the contest at fantasypros.com slash contest. All you need to do to enter, and this is an entry for both contests, leave a review on either Apple Podcast or Stitcher. Then send a screenshot of that review to contest at fantasypros.com. By the way, both giveaways end on Tuesday, June 30th, so please enter now if you haven't already. I'm Bobby Sylvester. Uh, you can find me at Bobby Fantasy Pro. For Al Melchior, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening and enjoy your baseball. <laughs>